0: welcome to the curiosity podcast i'm your host charlie wyman and i'm a b2b marketing strategist linkedin specialist and curious thinking advocate i believe that curiosity is one of our biggest assets and if you want your marketing to be more effective and feel less like a chore be more curious about who you're targeting how you can help them and what you can learn from them This podcast aims to share stories from people who are keen to solve problems and change the way we do things by innovating and turning their ideas into reality. This week's guest is Stephen Knight, founder and CEO of Pimento, a virtual marketing agency network comprising over 200 agencies and consultants within the UK. Marketing is a subject I love talking about and something that's a big source of frustration for many because it's commonly talked about one thing, yet it encompasses hundreds of disciplines and specialist areas. If you're like me and many others and have been burned in the past by marketing agencies, promising the world and not delivering, or being underwhelmed by the outcomes, then this interview will give you something else to think about. Stephen is a huge advocate of fostering collaboration and his agency creates bespoke teams from a huge pool of talent and expertise that perfectly fits the client's brief. In this episode, we talk lots and lots about everything relating to marketing and Stephen shares lots of tips around how to plan your marketing activity, how to write an effective brief, things to watch out for and how to set yourself up for success, whether you're doing it yourself or outsourcing it to a specialist or agency catch up with the show notes or to watch the video interview, then please go to charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast. I'm joined with Stephen from Pimento. Stephen, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Charlie. It's great to have you here, and I'm really excited about this interview because we can talk a lot about marketing and also making sure that you, are you as the, the company owner, is making your life as easy as possible whilst also getting the results from your marketing, which is what it's all about at the end of the day. So, Stephen, just to kick this interview off, do you want to tell us a little bit about you and also why you started Pimento? Yes, of
1: course. So, Pimento has been going for 15 years now. And uh, I spent my formative years working in advertising agencies, uh, mainly in the West End of of London, but also internationally. I left advertising to go and work for the Walt Disney Company, uh, originally as the head of brand for Europe, and then, lastly, as the CMO um, for Europe, Chief Marketing Officer. And I had five wonderful years at Disney. We had hundreds, literally hundreds of agencies we were working with across Europe, Middle East and Africa been quite a siloed organization from television through to theme parks, through to entertainment and so forth. Each of our divisional heads was able to work with any agency they wanted to, which created a huge amount of confusion, as you can probably imagine, a huge amount of duplication. But more importantly, we really couldn't get any objective advice because there was a vested interest in the advertising agency in selling us advertising, the direct marketing agency selling us direct marketing, and the PR agency selling us PR. And at the time, media was fragmenting and digital was on the rise and clients, unreasonably, were looking for objective advice and they weren't getting it from their agencies. So the thought process behind Pemento was to create an agency that really was made up of independent agencies, um, consultants, um, not the large multinational um, agency networks that you probably know, um, but more localised and what we were hoping to be able to do and have done in practice ever since was to be able to draw on that network of talent and create bespoke solutions for clients based on their individual needs rather than the needs of the agency. So we start out by understanding what's going to drive your business, what's going to improve your business performance, whether that's in a business-to-business environment or a business-to-consumer environment, Um, And then we'll understand exactly what you're currently doing. We'll analyse how effective or not it's being. Um, And only then will we come back to you with a recommendation as to how you should be deploying your budget. Now, in many instances, you might not have a marketing budget. You might not even have a marketing strategy, and it might be completely new to you, and your business may have grown through word of mouth. And that's great, and that's fine. But ultimately, you'll find that it's very limiting, particularly, obviously, in the post-COVID world. And our... Perspective and the way in which we orientate ourselves is because I don't, as an organization, own any of the assets. We have five and a half thousand people that work with us, but they're all independent of Pimento. I can be completely objective in the solution, understand what you need, put together that team, and ensure that that team is delivering day in and day out, helping to actually meet your business objectives.
0: Fantastic. Because I think we were speaking before um, about a lot of companies that have a fear. Of working with agencies, and that there is a bit of an unwritten rule or rite of passage that you have to be burned by a marketing agency uh, before you're actually going to get results. And we were talking about how Pimento solves that problem, um, just exactly in the way that you were just describing, in that you don't have all of that in house capability. You work with lots of specialists and lots of different agencies. So you're not working to the goals of the agency, you're working to the goals of the company. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the advantages of working with specialists rather than with an agency that's, that's maybe offering everything without necessarily specialising in, in each of those different areas?
1: Sure. A- agencies, in particular at the moment, because obviously the market is really tough, will claim to be able to do all things. And in reality, they're probably very good at one or possibly two disciplines. Um, and the concept of a full service agency, by its very nature, is almost impossible to deliver these days because we have 100 different marketing disciplines that we offer our clients. I mean, just imagine having all of those resources in-house, 100 different skill sets. Um, it's unlikely you'd be good at all of them and you end up really a bit like a department store where you have strengths in certain floors and certain parts of the stores and weaknesses elsewhere. Well, we don't suffer from that. We literally will basically find the very best person or very best agency to deliver what's required And they'll be part of your bespoke team. Um, We're managing a project at the moment for a new client who came to us in February. It was a business that had just been acquired, and they needed literally to outsource their entire marketing to a third party. Now, rather than go to a single entity and say, right, we need to support this client in these areas, we created a bespoke team, which involves 14 different agency resources and three consultants. It's all managed by a uh, marketing head, effectively um, a marketing head that's outsourced and is part of the mentor themselves. And we will take responsibility for coordinating all those activities and managing all those resources on behalf of the client. So the client deals with one person day in, day out. um, But behind that is a highly industrious, creative bunch that are delivering against the business objectives that have been set and working across different marketing disciplines as required. And what that means is the client doesn't have to be expert in marketing. Their job is to run their business. Um, we can basically act on their behalf as their marketing resource, um, and give them best advice, align ourselves both in terms of budget. You know, so we have a very, much a, a very broad range of different um, budget um, points, and we're able to basically work with multinational clients down to local businesses, depending upon what their budget is and what their needs are. Um, but we take away a lot of that aggro, and, and we also take away the issue about trust. All the people we work with have come to us over the years through personal recommendation. Uh, we take our time to uh, check them out, make sure that they are both ethical and that they're delivering um, at a high end. Um, we check out, we speak to their clients, we look at their financials, etc., and only then do we invite them to become members of our network. So it's a proven and, and trusted model now it's 15 years in. And oddly enough, um, in the press over the last few weeks during COVID, we've seen lots of agencies coming up with similar concepts to the one we started all those years ago. So people are you know, reluctant to return to work in, in, in a full-time job What we're now seeing the emergence of lots of new startups and lots of independent uh, resources um, hoping to be able to actually run their businesses from home. Um, which is great. you know i welcome I welcome that. So it's a chance for us to extend our footprint and work with some new talent. Um, but it's not for everyone, you know some some clients still like to have the the physical presence of an agency. Well, we do that too. we we'll also put people into client organizations um, and um, have them work um, as an independent contractor, uh, but pay for through pimento and operating within your business. So it's really, looking at what's required, designing a a structure that works for clients, creating the resources that they need, um, and then taking responsibility for doing it.
0: I love that. And I love that you talked about having hundreds hundreds of different marketing disciplines. Because I know that I probably fell into the same trap that most non-marketing business owners and founders fall into in that you think that marketing is just one thing. So you can get somebody into your business, just one person and they can be responsible for your entire marketing um, strategy and implementation, and that you just think like everything needs to fall into that marketing. And I know that because I mean I'm not a trained marketer. I started my career studying engineering and kind of um, just learned it by doing it, and then learning how other people doing it, watching, just being very curious about what's going on. And I've always found that when you are more curious about the marketing that you're doing, you, you're able to learn more and do more and sort of make it better. But then you do need to call in on the experts when that goes beyond your skill set. So there's certain things that you can only do in a, in a very basic way. Um, but I did definitely think that marketing was just one thing. <laughs> and I speak to so many people that also think that marketing is just one thing. And I also speak to a lot of marketers that are really bad at their own marketing. And I think the, the more you dive into that, you more that, you realize that, you know, there's so many different disciplines in that, you know, you've got people that are very good at strategy, very strong at strategy, people that are very, very good at, you know, just implementing it, because there's a lot, to marketing that's just all about the implementation, just kind of going through and putting the processes in place and getting the structure sorted out quite administrative type roles that are very undervalued by a lot of people um, and also you said uh, you know you remove the aggro for clients and i know that i felt that a lot over the years it's just you get very frustrated with trying to juggle lots of different moving parts and trying to make everything work in an in an integrated way um, and i like that what you were saying as well that you need to look at things in a very integrated approach rather than just things in isolation
1: yeah, I mean taking your engineering example there, you know, if you liken it to a car, you know, you, you might have 400 different component suppliers and there might be, I don't know, five and a half thousand different parts in the in the construct of a car. Reality is the only way that car is going to work if all those elements come together uh, in the right order at the right time. Um, and then of course the will, you know, will work. It just needs one element, one part to be missing, and actually the whole thing, you know, it doesn't work. You know, you're missing your, I don't know cylinder head gasket or something like that, or your, your carburetor or, or, or fuel pump, and then car comes to a shuddering halt. Well, that, that's the same with marketing. These days, you need to have a, a strategy that basically is determined by who you're trying to talk to, what you're trying to say, what you want them to do as a result of the communications that you're putting in place. You need to have a perspective on what your proposition is and how differentiated it is within the marketplace, what's your competitive position. How do you go about defining your proposition, can you deliver against that proposition? Assuming you get that bit worked out, then you have to work out the most cost-effective way of reaching your target audience and what channels do you use? What's the blend between digital marketing, social, um, PPC activity? What's the role of the website? Is it there as a, it's a brochure brochureware or is it there to actually be a sales piece? Can you buy off the website? Um, should you be employing and engaging in uh, social content to try and drive people to that website? Is there a role for public relations? Um, what should you be doing in the event space if you're very much in the B2B space? venting obviously is always very popular. And of course, what do you do now? Eventing is not available to you for the foreseeable future. And what channels can you actually use in that in that uh, as, a, as an alternative? You know, do virtual events really work? Will you get people to engage at the same level? Here we are on Zoom now talking. The reality is things are changing very rapidly and and you've got to have a curious mind. You've got to to be uh, somebody who is constantly questioning what you're doing, constantly refining the way in which you go about doing it and looking at what best practice is and, and learning from the professional's. Quite a lot of this stuff you can do yourself. Sometimes you just need a framework. You need someone to come and give you advice and say, right, how are you collecting your data? Are you using tools like HubSpot which you can get for free if they actually um, collect your data? Are you segmenting that data? Do you have an email uh, automation platform that allows you to be able to actually send emails to your prospects, customers and nurture and develop those relationships and get them further down the funnel and turn those into sales. And once they become advocates, can you actually get them to refer you to a friend? So there's lots to be considered, Um, but the reality is if you do it in bite-sized chunks, if you kind of break it down and if you help people in a logical fashion and take them with you, um, then good marketing people should be actually helping those organisations to learn as well as grow and leave those organisations better equipped when you come to the end of that project. One of the things we do is we also help clients um, populate and create marketing departments. You know we have a a uh, recruitment arm that supports both uh, freelancers and and permanent heads in marketing. And we aim with our clients if they don't have any marketing resources, if they see the benefits in marketing, and they see that actually it's working for them. Uh, we don't want to be taking fees off of them for the rest of their lives. What we want to be doing is obviously finding our replacements. So we'll find permanent or temporary replacements depending on what clients need uh, as we go through the project and we'll educate them so that they can continue to execute against a given strategy.
0: You've kind of answered a lot of my, I was going to ask you for some tips that you can share with people. And that tip is absolutely brilliant in that, you know, work with an expert that can help teach you how to take responsibility and control of it yourself. And that for me was a huge turning point because I know that, you know, I was doing a lot, I was getting results from it. So from the outside to, you know, the owner of the business, it's like, great, it's working. I was like, "Mm," you know, we could definitely be doing things better or we could be, you know, getting a lot more out of this activity or getting a lot more out of this particular strategy. And I work with a consultant and, you know, I I talk about it and I laugh about it now, but I know that this is the reality for a lot of businesses. You know, the consultant was asking me, right, okay, who's your target market? And I was there like, you know, well, we're targeting a global audience of um, the geospatial industry, which includes uh, surveyors, the mining sector, archaeologists, heritage, uh, and our budget is uh, six figures. (laughs) And I remember the look on the consultant's face at the time, but they were just like, uh, what? Okay, let's narrow that down slightly. And that whole process about, you know, working out that framework and looking at where to focus our efforts and really being targeted and specific made such a huge difference. And I remember when we were having that chat as to whether or not we needed to work with that consultant, it was, you know, it was a big investment and we were really worried if it wouldn't work and how it it would work moving forward and what we would need to do. But I'm so glad that we made that decision because it was the best thing that that we did as a company and also it really helped me focus and uh, be a lot more strategic about our approach rather than kind of fighting fires or going with the new shiny object and finding the new thing so yeah I,
1: I, I mean and, and interestingly enough that what your consultant suggested was exactly what I would suggest it is always basically start with the data have a look at basically what the customer data will tell you um, segment that by attitude but by purchase habits, by frequency, by geography, by any particular measure that will give you some insights to their propensities and how they purchase from you, and, and so on. Um, and then it's just a question, I believe, of then finding people who look similar, and and are working out from there. Clearly, you want to be able to segment it also to understand who are your most valuable customers, and. It always is the Breta model, of, you know. This you, is
0: the eighty twenty rule. I was going to say, like eighty percent of your <laughs> revenue comes from twenty percent of your customers. It's so it's true.
1: A, <laughs> it's a, it's amazing, and Yeah, how you can go across all industries. And reality is, it always seems to come back to the same thing. Some some sort of mathematical component in any business. That yeah, um, it doesn't matter whether you're selling burgers or whether you're you know selling shoes or you're selling engineering pieces, as you were talking. You will find that eighty percent of your business. Uh, it, it, sorry, sorry, 80% of your business is coming from 20% of your customers. And um, therefore, those customers will have, when you look into the analysis, when you look at the data, are certain propensities that have certain things and characteristics about them that will actually define them. And that will help you and your sales team and um, your marketing strategy be far more focused and, and far clearer. And it, rather than spend against the whole audience, if you focus on basically spending against a tight, most profitable audience, then not only will you get a higher return on your investment, uh, but you'll have a more successful and more profitable business over time.
0: Yeah. And also make sure that you look at the data across the whole business instead of just it to marketing activity. Um, that was definitely a big learning point for me many years ago and something that I strongly recommend a lot of people do because I think again, segmenting marketing into the business and just looking at it in isolation, you can really limit yourself. Uh, I remember sitting on a leadership team going, well, I've generating you all of these leads for this one particular segment and none of the sales team have been able to convert like any one of them. And it's not a problem with the leads. <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't that we were generating the wrong type of leads. It was that there was a problem with the sales team and just a tweak that we needed to make in terms of how they were talking about the product and how they were trying to get it into the customers which marketing can help with. So I think that's always something I am a big believer in is that, you know, marketing does need to run through the sales and the customer service department and not just stand on its own uh, in a corner.
1: Definitely, yeah. Marketing is very much the servant to, the, to those um, parts of the business. I mean, it's there to to generate sales. That's why we spend time and enjoy marketing. It's, it's basic of that. And it's a, it's as much a sales function as sales it is itself. Um, but in that particular case, Clearly, it was an issue around proposition, and had the proposition been developed, perhaps coordinated with the sales team, it might have been tied to the front end. Um, but yeah, it's not a perfect art, and, and the reality is um, you will make mistakes as you go through your marketing strategy and as you start to execute it. Um, but what you have to do is be open and honest about the fact that actually you'll learn from that process, try and avoid having to learn too often because it gets expensive. Um, but you, you have to take some risk. It's like anything else in business. You know, you'll know, you take commercial risks over the development of a new product. You'll take commercial risks over hiring individuals. Marketing is not similar to that. You, know, you, you have to basically uh, be prepared to take risk if you do want growth. And you know, growth will be essential over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, there will be business opportunities in spite of COVID. Um, there will be, obviously, a, a prolonged and difficult economic recession. But, like in any other recession, if you actually are really clear about what you want to do for your business and if you actually uh, target your communications, uh, you will be able to grow your business because not everyone will be able to actually match you. Um, and in a competitive marketplace where you're looking to steal share, maybe not trying to grow the market, which is quite likely in the next year and a half, um, sitting back and doing nothing and just reducing your marketing spend be the very worst thing you do. Um, if you want to generate sales you have to invest in sales and that means you know being proactive. If you hunker down and actually try and cut your costs, ultimately what you're going to be doing is reducing your revenue um, and you may survive and you may come out the other end. chances are um, it's going to be very tough for you. So I would urge and I would look at look all the case histories over the years of the 2008. Uh, recession and recessions before that brands that basically invested in communications and marketing through recession came out stronger as a result um, and I know that's all very well if you haven't got the money you haven't got the money um, that's back to financial re-engineering that's back to actually leveraging deals that are on the table at the moment for government and the various different symbols and loans that one can get you know think about and plan now the next twelve months, and, and start to actually consider the role of marketing within your business objectives.
0: And there's a key word that you just said as well, which is invest. Because a lot of marketing is all about mindset. If you look at marketing with an investment mindset, in the way, in the same way that you would look at stocks and shares and pensions and things like that, you know if you want growth, you need to invest and you need to plan your investments carefully, keep track of them and don't just kind of offload them to somebody else and then just wash your hands with it and say, right, okay, crack on, you're doing it for me. Um, and also what you were saying about mindset and making sure that you are not stopping any of your marketing. Um, a lot of my podcast guests, in fact, all of my podcast guests have all been very purpose-driven. And the the biggest thing that I've noticed through the whole covid a challenge, uh, nightmare, whatever you want to call it, is that purpose driven businesses have a much more positive mindset in terms of the future and the growth of their businesses than businesses that are focusing solely on profit.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, it's been interesting to see the way in which brands have responded to COVID in their communications and how they've um, uh, spoken to their customers. Um, there have been some brands that have been notably brilliant in this period and have actually recognized that what People want is help and support. Um, They want empathy. Uh, They want people to be uh, human. And they also want them to stick to their values. Um, We've seen brands that have tried to change their style of communication and have actually acted outside of their brand values. And that's been to the detriment of of how they're perceived because it it sticks out. It's amazing. We were looking at a real television commercials uh, that have been put together over the last few weeks. And they are so similar. Now, to be fair, that's because they're limited by what they can actually do at the moment. Um, so you've got you know, the communication style where everything's shot on an iPhone and everyone's fairly jolly and they're all on Zoom calls like this. And it's very difficult, I think, to get stand out in that environment. You have the other TP campaigns, particularly the ones in North America that are running at the moment, which open up with a sort of, sort of blinky plonky piano-style track in the background the sort of tumbleweed was sort of blowing down the streets, shot in black and white uh, with nobody around. <laughs> and then brands basically turning on the end and saying, look, we're here to support you. We're there. We'll always be there for you. We always have been there for you. It just seems incongruous. And, uh, you know, I, I think stick to what you are, believe in uh, those values and purpose-led businesses these days. Frankly, it's, it's what it always was, which is that people want to do business with people that they like people that they trust, people that actually have similar value sets to their own. And there's no point trying to be something you're not because you get found out far too quickly in this social media world. So any company you're involved in, any business, whatever you're involved in, any industry, you have to have a really strong purpose about you. You have to be really clear about what your mission is. What are you here to do? Um, It's not about selling widgets it's about fulfilling something that's much more substantial it's the old story isn't it about the guy um who was sweeping the floors at nasa i'm sure you heard this a thousand times charlie
0: yeah but, <laughs> but i'm you know, sure my audience hasn't so let's, let's well, i don't
1: it. know i don't know so there, there was a, a, a i think it was a journalist who was walking around nasa and came across a janitor who was basically sweeping the floors and he said to me he said, excuse me he said, It's three o'clock in the morning, and here you are sleeping the floors. What's this all about? He said, what's your job? He said, well, I sweep the floors to create a cleaner environment, and the cleaner environment means that people don't slip up when they're coming into work, and they go to their offices, and they're feeling more engaged, and ultimately I'm here to get people on the moon. And he saw himself as the heart of the whole team that were there to support each other to be able to actually achieve that ultimate objective of actually getting man onto the moon. Um and that's what purpose is about. it's been really clear about your role and what your brand does for people, how it motivates them, um what the belief system is around that, what the brand means to them um so yeah, we all have a role in that, and I think you know businesses today are pretty much aligned with this concept um they're not all quite doing it yet, and some of them are having to reinvent themselves. But there's been never a better time to reinvent yourself than COVID. You've got the opportunity to think about what you want to be, um, how you can do it better, um, and how you can help your customers uh, with their objectives and their own missions.
0: Yeah. And leadership plays a huge part of that as well. It's like, you know, you as the the business owner and and the business and everybody within that business, you need to lead your staff, your team, your suppliers, your customers and everybody lead together through this challenge Um, because it's, you know, nobody's going to get through this alone. Well, I suppose if you stay at home, then you're going to get through this, but yeah, do it together. And I think like for me, I'm really fascinated because like my main interest is looking at how people behave. Um, So looking at how your teams behave internally and also looking at how um, your customers interact with your teams and behavior is a big interest of mine. And it's how leaders and companies are behaving through this COVID period. I do think that that's going to impact how business is done in the future and also how people are remembered and seen. Uh, there's a lot of like really prominent people that are uh, doing some interesting, making some interesting choices. Let's say, um, which may or may not help them in future.
1: Yeah, uh, none more so than obviously some of our politicians around the world. not just unique to the UK, but uh, any yeah, of these are tough, tough times. You know, I wouldn't want to be a politician the best of times, but actually leadership in, in, in times like this and and communications again, it's, it's no different to what we've been talking about. Um, well, it is
0: communication, isn't it? Especially if you look is. at like what's going on in, in this country. Well, we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole now, but look at what's going on in this country. It's like clear communication can make such a huge difference. And if you confuse people, it, you're working against yourself.
1: Well, I'm sure there's going to be a consultant behind the latest uh, government uh, message
0: around alerts.
1: Um, uh,
0: how in demand that they're going to be after this. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, exactly, exactly. And it's it, it's a complex subject to the best of times, um, coming out of COVID is a lot more difficult than actually closing down organisations and closing down um, people's propensity to be able to travel and move, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's easier to tell people to stay at home than it is to actually ask them to go and leave their homes. Um, and there's, more, has a, there's a much broader interconnected, um, problematic uh, scenario to be resolved with people returning to work and, and so on and so forth. Um, and it therefore makes communications more difficult. But, it means you have to be clearer. It means you have to be really deliberate in what you communicate, when you communicate it. Um, you can't create, as we've seen recently, leaks left, right and centre and allow people to make up their own minds before the information is made available um, by Prime Minister in this instance or any other Cabinet Minister. Um, you know, there is a there's a role for leaking, but actually in this instance, there's also a role for actually keeping schtum and actually making sure you've got a plan, making sure that you communicate it accurately, uh, and making sure that people understand their part in delivering that plan. Um, but anyway, we're sort of drifting into politics a bit here.
0: And, I know, because um, I, I did want to ask you a question, so I will, like, move over from politics and uh, the effect of clear communication. <laughs> um, the role of marketing technology, because I know that I've interviewed uh, a couple of people that are developing tools to help marketers and also business owners do their own marketing. How do you, you know, working with so many agencies and so many consultants and freelancers, how do you manage the different or oh, the sheer volume of different marketing tools that are out there at the moment. Do you have any kind of preferred ones that you use or any recommended ones or like how how do people
1: decide? Um, gosh, that's, that's a very, it's a big question, that one. Uh, it is
0: a big question, sorry. <laughs> it, is,
1: it is. I mean, you know, technology is like enabling marketing left, right and centre. Whether it's AI um, that gives us the ability to be able to actually understand and, and how consumers respond to certain stimulus uh, whether it's um, you know, the development of marketing research techniques, and we're seeing a lot more um, automation within that space, um, whether it's actually using automation tools themselves in terms of your email marketing um, or programmatics, the ability to be able to actually bid for certain, um, uh, certain statements on, on Google and so on and so forth. So it, it, everywhere you look within marketing, there is a role for technology. Um, But ultimately, you've got to marry technology with outstandingly good insight and fantastic creativity. And creativity still has an enormous role to play. And I don't think we've even begun to um, pick the scab on this one, as it were, which is that I I think a lot of marketeers now rely on automation and assume, therefore, that if they actually Get their communications out and they're using the right channels and if it's automated it'll actually give them the result they want um to certain level i'm sure it will work but actually if you really want to differentiate your brand if you really want to find ways to actually drive that needle you really need to invest in creativity and um it didn't really matter the days when it's tv press and posters you come home you see a fantastic commercial on television um and people had invested wisely and put money into creating a 30 second or a 67 TV spot. People don't spend the time, they don't spend the or um, well, finesse their communications to the same extent these days because it's very disposable, particularly in the social space. You know, spend a couple of grand on a piece of social content, stick it out there, and do another piece tomorrow. I, I, I do believe that if you have the same attention to detail and put the same energy into creativity that you put into the automation tools and to the technology that's available, you'll end up with a better result. So marrying creativity to outstanding strategy and then using um, technology to be able to deliver that, then you're on to winner.
0: Brilliant. And are there any tools that you would personally recommend or that you use? Um, we put,
1: we, we obviously, with media planning and buying, there are different tools that are used. Um, we, um, a lot of, um, we do a lot of data analytics and we use various different tools and techniques there to be able to actually understand and segment client data on the uh, market automation tools. Then there are you know, there's the, the big ones or the international ones you're aware of and uh, whether it's Salesforce or Drive or HubSpot or whatever it happens to be. Um, all I would say on that is properly scope with CRM, be really, really clear about what you want, what you need for growth. Um, don't overinvest. invest um, I always recommend don't start from scratch. Don't create anything that's bespoke because you're into then having to support an agency or agency to support you for the rest of time immemorial. Um, so try and work with something that's um, off the shelf that you can shape. Um, we use a, a marketing automation tool from a company called Force24. Um, who work very, very well with SMEs, and uh, it's, it's about enough. It's basically, it, it, it works for 95% of the customers we work with, and uh, we've used that a lot. I think we've got about 15, 16 different clients using that. That's pack.
0: fantastic, we've actually had um, Adam from Force24. Oh. that He's he's come and done a, a podcast interview with us before. So if you are interested in learning more about Force24, then check out Adam's interview. Um, everything's available on my website. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's and it changes daily. You know, it, it, you, know it, you ask people about Zoom a month ago. I don't suppose anyone's too familiar with that.
0: Oh, I don't know. I've, I've been using Zoom for like two and a half years now. And I think all of a sudden I've got Zoom fatigue because everybody wants a Zoom call. I'm like, should we have a phone call? Let's just pick up the old school phone and <laughs> have a bit of a chin work on that. But uh, there's
1: yeah. some research. There's some research appeared last week in the States on Zoom fatigue. It's actually a, it is actually a real thing it's not just zoom
0: fatigue yeah 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 i've read a few articles but i think that's why i have my um for for anybody watching this i've got these blue light glasses that i look like a bit of a muppet in them but they filter all of the stuff that comes off the screen and just helps with that it doesn't cure zoom fatigue but it definitely helps definitely recommend that anybody using a computer needs to get blue light filter glasses
1: (laughs) blue light filter glasses i should write that down now
0: Yes, you can get ones that are, um, I think the majority of ones that you buy are like bright yellow or bright orange, but you can get very normal looking ones. I can't remember where I bought these from, but uh, yeah, they are great. And they really they really help you. Brilliant. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. Lots of things uh, to gain from this interview. Do you have any uh, sort of parting words of wisdom, one-liners or anything that you'd like to share with uh, with our audience?
1: First of all, don't be afraid to ask. Don't worry about marketing jargon. Um, Say it as it is. Um, Be prepared. And if you want to engage a consultant or if you want to basically get marketing advice, take the opportunity to talk to a variety the same way as you would if you're basically getting an extension on your house, you get three quotes. Make sure you get opinions from three or four people. Um, Take references. um, Ask agencies to basically pitch for your ideas and come back to you with proposals. But don't be unreasonable in the sense that if your budget's... 10 grand, then don't expect them to get a full creative um, proposal, but actually maybe rely upon a chemistry meeting um, and have them present their credentials. Um, And absolutely be really, really clear about your agencies, with your agencies and your consultants, what the business objective is. Always start from the business objective and make sure that their strategies and their recommendations tie back to that business objective. Um, And actually, to a certain extent, also, if it's possible, get them to put some skin in the game. you know, it, it, Beyond their fees, if there's the opportunity to tie back the performance of their recommendations in some way, shape or form, then um, there should be some sort of uplift or some sort of opportunity to actually, um, for them to enjoy the value that they create and, and, and look to actually work it both ways so that if their recommendations don't have the impact, then they don't necessarily enjoy um, the full fee that you agreed
0: fantastic advice thank you so much for sharing that so thank you very much for joining me here on the curiosity key podcast and for anybody listening to this all of the show notes are available on my website that's Charliewyman.com forward slash podcast and you can check out everything there so thank you Stephen. it's been an absolute pleasure thank you charlie When marketing isn't your primary focus or area of expertise, it can quickly become very overwhelming, frustrating, and end up at the top of your I'm avoiding this list. If you'd like to make your life easier and get results from your marketing, then I invite you to come and join us in the Curious Marketing Club, a virtual community full of support, guidance, and know-how. For details about the club and for the show notes, please visit my website, charliewyman.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn from other people who are being curious and doing amazing things, then please subscribe and keep listening. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.